Welcome to the podcast series by Writers Key. I run an education consultancy based out of New Delhi, India, and it has been our effort to make the college application process easier for students, especially during the pandemic. Um, we have tried to bring uh, several admissions officers to our platform, uh, and today we're very excited because we have UK's topmost school, one of the top schools. Bristol University with us today. Uh, we're joined uh, by Doris Beckstein, who is the International Marketing Manager uh, for Bristol University. But with her comes 20 years of experience uh, in guiding students to choose various programs. So she really is an expert in guiding students about what they should pursue, what works for them. Um, Later on in the session, halfway through it, we're going to be joined by Professor Judy Lang, who's, uh, who's been a law professor of mental health law at Bristol University. She guides uh, undergraduate and graduate students and also assists students with their PhD thesis. So we've really got a fantastic panel with us. Uh, they're going to be focusing on medicine, veterinary studies and law. And of course, if there are other programs that you wish to ask Doris about, please feel free to ask questions. Um, you could post your questions about these programs as well on the Q&A box, and we will try to answer the questions as best we can. Uh, from my team, I have Rachna Grewal, who's going to be uh, assisting me with the questions. Uh, she's an educator. She's uh, fantastic with the students, um, and uh, she's join, joining us remotely right now. Uh, so welcome everyone and welcome Doris to the platform. I'm going to hand it over right to you uh, so that you can start uh, this discussion. Thank you very much Anjali. Thank you very much for this wonderful opportunity um, and, and hello to everybody who's in the audience and uh, making time to listen to uh, our presentation. Um, I hope you like my virtual background. Um, it's a very dramatic picture of one of our, our iconic uh, buildings here uh, at the University uh, of Bristol. And in fact, those of you who are um, you know, interested in studying law with us, that is the law school. So it's really, really impressive. I don't know how they got the sky to look so amazing, but um, um, that is uh, certainly a, a picture that uh, I think uh, gives you a little bit of an insight. Now, um, uh, as Anjali mentioned, I will be joined halfway through by one of our law professors. Um, but what I also wanted to uh, let you know is that we do have an office in Delhi itself. So there is an office uh, here is the, I hope you can see this, this is the uh, email address. Um, so if you have any questions, if anything occurs to you afterwards and you've forgotten, this is how you would uh, be able to reach us uh, in, in any uh, event. Um, I want to say this to you because, of course, we are here doing it like this because of COVID. So um, I, I want to address some of the, the, the anxieties uh, among students and, and teachers and parents out there. So the UK is actually really, really within the university sector in particular uh, for what we are dealing with. And uh, we are opening buildings even as we speak. Now, everything we do this year and that would be affecting this intake which is uh, only delayed by about a week um, uh, is to do with self-safety of course you know we do have to in involve people in uh, isolating or in distancing or wearing masks and things like that i'm in my living room at the moment so you know uh, i'm safe but um you know the, the university has strict rules there and we obviously uh, take um, account of that if anybody wants to see what we're doing and how we're doing it, um, if you uh, see here at the bottom, go to our main page and just click on the coronavirus link and then you can see what we're doing. We're doing amazing things, not just uh, the things we have to do to keep you safe and our, ourselves safe, but also um, our many academics, uh, because we are a big university, um, not just law, um, are involved with uh, research and active uh, work to combat this virus so you know it's a it's a, a really um, big deal for us to get that right um, again this is when you clicked on that link here you can see for prospective students I understand many of you are not looking for this year you're looking next year that's fine um, but it gives you a flavor of what we 
how we welcome our students. And we're not unique in that. All universities in the UK take great care um, about health and safety here. Now, here's just a little bit about uh, the university itself. Uh, it's in the southwest of England. I'll show you a map in a little while. But some key facts here. We are what's called a red brick university. We um, are an older university, quite traditional. Um, we have six uh, faculties um, and we span pretty much any academic subject that you might be interested in. But my, my, one, my, my number one fact here is that we were in fact the first university uh, to admit men and women on an equal basis. That was not always the case. And um, when I did some research into this, I was fairly shocked to find that Oxford and Cambridge uh, were really, really late in doing this. So they, they discriminated against female students uh, up until the 1940s. Just imagine that. That, that is, um, you know, a, a weird fact there. We're linked to uh, 13 Nobel Prize winners, um, again, across different sciences and areas. And our current chancellor um, is a Nobel Prize winner in medicine. So, you know, this is a serious institution. Um, it um, it's, uh, has solid foundations. We're home to about, in total, 27,000 uh, uh, students. Um, and we have about 100 different nationalities. And our uh, faculties are loosely grouped into those areas there. So we pretty much have everything I would say, apart from if you wanted to study like textile design or uh, fine art, we don't do that. Apart from that, we pretty much cover it all. I know rankings and reputation are really playing a big part uh, in, in students' decisions, you know, where to go and perhaps even what to study. So I thought I'll show you that here. Um, we are ranking really highly in the UK and also worldwide. But also what I like to point out is this lovely picture here, because that is in fact the law library. Uh, it's still a, a real library. Everything seems to be uh, virtual and digital these days, but we do still have proper, really, really nice libraries, of course, as well. So the rankings uh, are good. Um, very important, of course, is that it's a very good uh, university for future employment. We do understand that that is a big, um, you know, um, a part of making the decision. So where we are um, is in the beautiful southwest of England. It's about 90 minutes, a little bit over 90 minutes uh, by train from London. We have an international airport. We do advise you to, from India though, you're better off flying into um, Heathrow or any of the London ones because it's actually easier for you. Uh, otherwise you'd have to change maybe in Paris or somewhere. You know, it's not, not the best journey to do when you are on a long international journey. But you can see we're here by the coast and it's called the Southwest. It's the West country where other people, they come on holiday to us because it's very mild usually. And it's also, um, you know, it has a lot of attractions, beautiful. The city itself um, has been named the best place to live outside London, kindness city, green city, city of film, coolest city. Um, the, it just never stops. I, I'm sure I should have updated this there. I'm sure there was a recent, one um, where, again, they've confirmed it was a very, very high ranking student uh, life city as well. And the picture you see there is, gives you a flavor of our harbor. We have a beautiful harbor, but because we're a, um, an old city, um, the harbor isn't up for, you know, like big tankers or anything like that. Um, it has pleasure yachts and things like that. So it's beautiful to look at as well. Uh, this is the city centre itself and this is Park Street and the reason I'm showing you this is not just to show you the scale of the city, it is about 600,000 um, uh, inhabitants which is not large by Indian standards but large by the UK standards. We are in fact the only other city outside London that positively uh, contributes to the uh, economy of the UK um, because we have so much you know, buoyant economies of really buzzy, rich city. But the reason I'm showing you this is that that is in fact the sort of artery going through the main area of the campus because we have a city center campus. When you choose your university, it's really important to think, well, I'll be there for at least three years, maybe four or five, and maybe I'll stay there a bit afterwards to work. Um, you know, you want to pick your university and also the campus wisely. So we're city centre campus, that means you're right in the heart, it's busy, it's buzzy, um, uh, but you are still just as safe, you know, in your bespoke accommodation as you might be anywhere else. Uh, here's another harbour picture. We're very fond of our harbour, it's very peaceful and beautiful to look at. 
Um, and also we have some iconic um, um, buildings and bridges. This is the Clifton Suspension Bridge. I believe it's the first suspension bridge, certainly in Europe, that, that was built. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a balloon festival. If you think those dots there, they're not, they're not mistakes in the photograph. They're all hot air balloons. So not this year, I'm afraid, uh, but, you know, in normal years. And then this is the, the campus from afar. So the thing that you see behind me, the building there rather, uh, is this one in fact, and this is the law school, all of this area, and they have some other uh, buildings, uh, you know, opposite here as well. But where my cursor is now, all of this is, um, the, these are University of Bristol buildings. We also have a veterinary school, I'll talk a bit about that later, which has another campus outside the city, and that is because of the animals. You really wouldn't be able to do the same things, you know, if you had them here in the city centre. So that is um, where our students study, where they socialise, where they live, and you can see all the wonderful green places there for them to enjoy. Now that was just a little bit about the, the university. Any questions you might have about the university itself, please put them in the chat or, you know, email us. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is you might not be familiar with how to apply for undergraduate courses in the UK, because I know you're looking at other systems, you might be looking at Europe, you might be looking at Australia, USA, Canada, so we're all slightly different. But what we have in common in the UK, all undergraduate applications go through UCAS. So if you look at this symbol here where my cursor is right now, that is the, uh, the right branding, it's UCAS, it stands for, undergraduate, uh, for University and College Admissions System and that makes it easier for you, for you because if you are applying for more than one university, um, obviously that's quite hard work to do five different applications but the good news is you don't have to. I know that in the States for some universities you would do but not for uh, the UK so because you have UCAS um, what you can do is you can take up to five choices. Five choices means uh, typically what a student does is they would take um, the same kind of subject area, but they would look at different universities. And you should really choose wisely because um, you only get the five initially. And what you are going to do is send one application to all five. So number one, in your personal statement, your SOP, never mention a university's name because the others will read it as well and then they will feel you know what why are you why are you talking to me about another university you're obviously not serious about coming to us all of this is online um, so it's very easy you write one personal statement which is also uh, important to note when you if you were tempted to apply to five completely different subjects you can do nobody's going to stop you but remember, you can only write the one personal statement. So, you know, if somebody thinks, oh, it's, I might do engineering, but I might also do history, that statement's going to look really weird. So, you know, think a little bit more before you, you do that. Um, the school reference is part of this application. That comes from your school, usually your school counsellor or somebody who looks after, it could even be a teacher or it could be the principal of a school. Each school does it differently, but it's quite often the school counselor who will give us an idea of what kind of student you are. And most, most importantly, they will tell us um, what they think your grades are going to be, okay? Because we work on predicted grades. It's a very odd system, it's unique to the UK, but basically we can make an offer which will be conditional on the grades that we think you will get. Um, so you don't have to wait until you have your grades. There's a fee for this, you have to do it all online. You could just choose one, then it's a little cheaper, but most students apply to five different choices. Now I was asked to talk a little bit about medicine, dentistry and veterinary sciences, and that is important because that is actually slightly different. You're still going through UCAS. But instead of five, you can't apply to five medical schools or five dental colleges, you can only choose four. And then your fifth choice has got to be, uh, could be pharmacy, could be biomedical, um, but something that is not the same as medicine or veterinary science, because it's very hard to get in and you could end up with five sorry we haven't got spaces and that would be a waste of your year the other thing uh, very important they all three have early deadlines 
you can't apply on the 16th of October for the next year because it's closed. Okay, and you need to plan. Anybody body who's interested in medicine, dentistry, or veterinary science, you do have to plan a long time ahead. Uh, you can't just pitch up and apply. That is definitely too late. Other courses, let's say you are going for engineering or computer science or something like that, English, um, they have a 15th of January deadline for the same year. We're starting usually September. So you have more, more time there, but not for those specific ones. The, all those three areas are five-year courses, not three or four, they're five years. All of them require some kind of extra little bit. So for medicine and for dentistry, you have to take the UCAT in our case, other universities might, must, might ask for BMAT. Those are online tests to test your aptitude for the subject, okay? So just put those abbreviations into your search engine and you'll get to the right website. Um, they can uh, ask for work experience. The veterinary science requires it, for example. And uh, medicine and dentistry, but not veterinary sirens, sirens usually uh, ask for interviews. And I'll talk about the interviews a little bit later. They all really need you to have chemistry. So you've got to be good at chemistry. So if you're doing IB, for example, your higher level should be chemistry, should be have chemistry in there, ideally biology as well. If you're doing A-levels, must be chemistry included. And if you're doing CBSE and uh, all the other Indian qualifications, which we accept, of course, you need to be in the stream that gives you chemistry because that is um, very much what you need. Please remember this number of seats of these is capped. Okay, we can't just admit, because you can imagine how difficult it is to you know, staff this and uh, the equipment needed. Now, the, if you're doing medicine, this is the degree you, you want to get to and check out that it's definitely recognized by the General Medical Council. That is your step to becoming a, um, a doctor. Um, dentistry has a similar council and the degree, degree called there is a Bachelor of Dental uh, Science. And the veterinary science is recognized by the Royal College of Veterinary Sciences. So they're all very similar. They have those professional qualifications at the end or accreditations rather. Now, what's a little bit different about uh, Bristol is when you do our veterinary science one, so this is only for the vets, not for the others. Um, we have um, pretty much worldwide accreditation as well. So you could become a vet with us, study with us, but you want to work in the US as a vet or in uh, South Africa or Canada or anywhere, um, then you can do that too. So that's worth looking at. Now, these are the interviews. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. We, in general, call them MMI, so multiple, multiple mini interviews. Um, and most of the time, for most universities, certainly including mine, they have got to be in country because we cannot take seven different people who will interview you. And we do these all the time from November to March. We have them every week. So we can't really send seven academics out on the road and do it uh, overseas or we can't do it uh, virtually either. They might change this after this year, um, but the current position is you have to come to Bristol for those. We do try and coordinate that if you have two interview uh, invitations that we don't ask you to come to the UK twice. So we try and coordinate the dates there. So these are, in, in Bristol, they are seven. So you have seven mini interviews and they last in Bristol six minutes um, and you have one after the other. They are meant to put you under pressure. They meant to try and find out um, what kind of person are you. They're not looking for medical knowledge, not even for science knowledge. They're looking for aptitude. And so you'll be given scenarios. You'll be, um, you know, needing to defend a decision you might make in terms of a, an emergency, for example. They're just observing you. And a big tip here is please dress nicely. Please be open and presentable because sometimes students get very nervous and they, they forget that they are actually in an interview situation. They should present themselves really professionally um, because that does make a difference. Uh, so, you know, bear that in mind. So the MMIs, and if you go online, often you can find a lot of information how to prepare you. Now, what I'm showing you here, this is um, the admissions. Uh, Doris, may I just interrupt you? Because uh, there were a couple of questions around the interview okay. process. 
Yeah. Uh, so I think you have answered how many stations are there on the MMI at Bristol. Mm-hmm. There are, uh, as well so there's as... seven for Bristol, but in some okay. universities you might find, find uh, eight or maybe ten. We've just decided on seven. Okay. And of course, there's uh, that big debate about whether September 20th is going to be online or face-to-face. Will they be able um, to... Yes. And so when would you have clarity about that? Um, sorry, was that about the interviews or the... Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Interviews. Well, this, this has not been decided. I would imagine they might be face-to-face because the earliest interviews we can have are usually for my university, usually in November. November. Right. Um, by that time, I think the entire country is, is hoping that we are back to pretty much normal. Now, if that's not the case, then they need to find an alternative. And I would imagine it will have to be virtual at that point, which is an advantage, of course, for students from other countries. And, and frankly, I would be also relieved about that because it makes it more accessible. But um, I can't give you an update there yet. Now, when you apply, so let's say somebody applies by the 15th of October this year for next year, they will be very clearly instructed what it will be. Yeah, so sure. you need to wait until then. What I'm showing you here is from our uh, admission statement. This is public. People can find it. Just go on the course and look for admission statement. This is for medicine and also for dentistry. This is how they make decisions so that you are in no doubt how are they deciding. And you can see when we start here, first of all, you've got to fit our minimum criteria. So that means you've got to have chemistry and it's got to be at a certain level in terms of CBSE. We're usually looking at 90%. Um, and you know you need to check out what we are asking in your system. In A-levels, it's AAA. In IB, I think it's 36. So you know it'll, it'll be published on there. That's the minimum. You know, there's no, there's no flexibility. There's no clearing. This just doesn't happen. The next step is the UCAT. That's both at my university for dentistry and for medicine, not for veterinary, but for these two courses. So big tip here, if you're, if you're looking for medicine, don't pick, medis- don't pick uh, a mix of universities asking for UCAT or BMAT because you can't really prepare for both of those. Pick all of them to be asking for UCAT or all of them for BMAT, okay? The majority asks for UCAT, I would say. Um, And then start in the summer investigating, booking a slot to do your test. It's an online um, uh, test. Uh, You can have test papers. You can do trial runs, I believe. So, you know, you can prepare for it. The number one thing here is that people think, oh, it's just a little test. I can do it. This is the thing for Bristol. I don't know how others are doing it. For Bristol, this will make or break you. Because if you don't get really high scores, and we're talking here top 10% of the world doing this test, you're not going to come to interview. And if you're not coming for interview, you're not, that's it. It's finished. The process has finished at that point for you. Now, coming for interview, if you are invited for interview, that is a brilliant sign because for medicine, that means uh, you have a 75% chance to be made an offer. So the big hard work is done with the ag- academic side, um, with the UCAT. Uh, if you're doing dentistry, they also look at the personal statement quite closely. Um, um, but the first goal for you really is to make that leap, get the best UCAT score you can to make that leap to interview because if you have the interview, you are 75% um, you know, uh, certain that you can get an offer of a place. Um, and the 25 who don't, they usually fall into the category that they turned up in shorts or they weren't looking the um, you know, professor in the eye or they, they were just not giving the right signals, okay? Because these interviews are not difficult. They're just um, assessing you as a person. So you can find that online so you don't have to note it all down now or read it now. The timeline is like this. You make the application. Uh, this is for every, each and every of our courses. If you receive an offer, it will be conditional because you haven't, usually you haven't finished your school and you have no results yet. Um, so you need, however, even before that, you need to accept the offer. You accept it conditionally. Remember I said you have five choices. 
um, of course you can't cling on if they get if you get five offers you can't keep them until the last moment because the whole system will break down at one point you have to decide on two one will be your firm choice hopefully that's Bristol um, where you say if I get my grades I'll definitely go to Bristol that's called a firm conditional choice and then you have a backup which is your insurance that means um, it's still a good choice and I would like to go there if I don't get into Bristol. Okay, so it's insurance, so we call it an insurance choice. Then you get your results, and then the moment of truth, if you got your results for Bristol, you're in, automatically in. And if you didn't, but you meet your insurance still, then you're in there. And if you didn't get any of those, then you say, okay, that was not very good, but I can go into clearing. Okay, so it's not the end of the story. However, for medicine, Dentistry and veterinary science, usually they're not going into clearing. So, you know, put all the effort if you're looking at those. When we're talking about law later, law can go into clearing because it's a much bigger course. So they don't fill up that quickly. After that, it's all the practical things. So you're looking for application, uh, sorry, for, uh, for accommodation. Uh, you uh, need your visa and all you book your travel. So those are all the uh, practical things, but at any stage will you get a lot of information about these different things that you have to do um, at that point. Um, look at our we look at the visa side. Um, you know, you will need a tier four visa usually to study there. Um, you can still work. You can work up to twenty hours a week if you are studying medicine, uh, veterinary science, or dentistry. You won't really have much time because you are very busy, very very busy indeed but other courses, often students have a part-time job as well. So this is all information you can find out online and it's not right now, not so important to you. Uh, we do have this on our website as well. So please refer to the website as well. Um, this is new, very new students and that will include students who are listening now. If you are graduating uh, uh, after next summer uh, or including next summer even, uh, you can actually stay back for two whole years and work without a work visa. That's fantastic news. That's uh, uh, brand new. Um, the UK used to have it and then they didn't and now we have it again. So that makes sure that, you know, if you are um, wanting to find some employment, uh, you don't have to get a sponsor, you don't need another visa, uh, you just, uh, you know, have those two years. Um, I think as long as Judy's not here, I'll just briefly uh, talk to you about our accommodation. Watch out when you're choosing your um, you know, universities as well, watch out what kind of accommodation guarantee you have. We give a guarantee to international students um, and even to our home, home and EU students. Uh, and then you know, make sure you understand what kind of accommodation they have. For first year students, undergraduate students, um, you know, it's often very, very, a very big issue. So if you have questions around that. Oh, we're joined by Judy, that's fantastic. Um, let me just see, um, we don't need to worry about that. Just briefly talking to you, there's lots going on in Bristol, in the city. I know if there are any parents listening or watching this later, you don't have to worry, your, your uh, son or daughter will be looked after really well. And there's lots that we give you um, before you arrive. There's a lot of societies we have to look after you whilst you're there. Um, and if you are a very gifted student with other things, other than academic things, please bring it along. So we have, um, you know, sometimes very gifted uh, classical dancers. They give performances. Um, I'm not sure uh, which student that is, but, um, you know, that's a regular student. Do that as well. Please you know, bring this to the university. Um, and then finally, because I know parents do worry about uh, will there be enough, you know, nice, nice Indian type food? Yes, there is. Bristol is a fantastic city uh, with lots of nationalities. We have wonderful restaurants, all kinds of different restaurants here. I put up two extremes. If you like um, a modern twist on Indian fusion, this is an upmarket restaurant uh, here called Nutmeg. This one in the middle is um, it's South Indian cuisine, really, really authentic, really good. And you can see Krishna's in, they're delivering because they're probably not open yet. Um, and then if you want to cook yourself, yes, tell your mom and dad, it's all here. They, you, I can buy anything, any, well, pretty much any spice you might possibly need. It's a very cosmopolitan city in which to live. Now, this is it from me. 
Um, and, you know, uh, as you, you'll have my contact details, you can see we have an India office, you can get in touch. But um, um, if you have any questions, um, I don't know, are there any right now for me, Anjali? No, not, not right now. Okay. Not right now. I think there are a lot of questions for Judy. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> I'm sure Judy's looking forward to that. Um, so, um, I, hi Judy, how are you? Hello, I'm fine, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely yes, fine. Absolutely Good. fine. I have Judy, a habit of joining and, not, and muting myself, so I sort of chat away and everybody's going, we can't hear you. So. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know whether you've heard, but uh, Mala can't be with us today. She's had a last minute travel uh, um, emergency, so we are without a student today. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we can, uh, we can still give really valuable information. Um, do you want me to move the slides or do you want me to endeavour to hand control over? Um, I'm happy if, if you want to keep control and then I can just ask you to move on when we've finished okay. uh, talking through the slides. Yeah. That, that's okay, Doris. Yep. That's absolutely that? fine. So what I'll do is I'll mute myself, but uh, just shout at me if, I, if, I, if you think I... I think that's it. I think she's yes. muted. Yes, <laughs> that, that's, that's my turn to come in then, I think. Yes, please. Um, great, lovely. Well, um, hello and, and welcome. I think it's good evening over there, isn't it, in India at the moment, but it's, uh, it's good afternoon here in, in the UK and the sun has decided to come out this afternoon, so it's quite nice and bright. Um, my name is Judy Lang and I'm a professor in the law school at uh, Bristol. Uh, my area of expertise is in health law, so I'm very interested in looking at the relationship between doctors and patients uh, and the kind of legal regulation around that uh, in a lot of different areas um, of, of our lives from, from birth right through to, to death. And, and that's one of the units that we actually um, offer uh, at the University in Bristol. We have a, an excellent reputation for teaching health law. Um, but I'm also uh, the student admissions director at the moment. So I've been responsible for uh, sort of liaising with our central admissions team and coordinating admissions in the law school. So I feel as if I can talk to you a little bit about what it's like to teach law, but also with my admissions hat on as well. Um, and, you know, I'm very sorry Mala can't be with us today. She's a, an absolutely wonderful student, actually. I'll be very sorry that she, she's leaving us. She'll be graduating hopefully this summer, uh, but she's trying to get back to India on a, on a repatriation flight at the moment. Um, and I think she's having some challenges around that. So, so yeah, she was very keen to be here to speak to you uh, about her experience and, and tell you about the sort of great time she's had. Um, so she wanted me to pass on her apologies. Um, so I'm just going to talk you through a few slides really about what we offer at Bristol in the law school um, why you might consider coming to study with us at Bristol um, and I guess what's distinctive about the experience uh, that we offer um, and I guess just to start off really um, you know Bristol is is a leading provider of legal education and we've been doing that for over a hundred years so we have a very strong tradition of teaching uh, students law um, and teaching students law to become lawyers or teaching students law to become a range of other uh, different uh, sort of career professions and aspirations. So the law degree is a really good degree, I think, that teaches you some, some excellent skills of reasoning, research and writing that will stand you in very good stead, depending, uh, you know, in a range of different other career paths, even if you're not really sure that you want to use them to be a lawyer. Um, so what do we offer? We offer a range of programmes, but I guess principally for you guys, the one that you'll be interested most of all is our law degree, which is a three-year law degree, uh, which I think is recognised by the Bar Council for qualification purposes in India. Um, and the way that the course is currently structured is you would come to study with us in Bristol uh, and in the first year, so I'm just going to close my um, screen because it seems to be in the way of the slides, that's it. Um, in the first year, uh, you'll study six mandatory law subjects. And the reason that we uh, require you to study uh, sort of compulsory subjects in the first year is because most students, if we asked them before they came, which particular area of law would you like to study and wouldn't have the first idea. Um, and it's a good place to start by teaching you foundational subjects of law. So this would include um, contract law between individuals uh, making contracts, criminal law, which may be familiar to some of you, um, and uh, other subjects like tort law, which is where you might bring an action against somebody if they've uh, injured you due to their own negligence, um, and also sort of public law, and, and a very new law in action unit that we're creating uh, this year to run alongside all the other units. Um, and that's going to teach you some really important skills as to how to find 
uh, legal resources because actually coming to study law for a lot of people is like learning a totally new subject because most people haven't studied it before they come to university. So we have to get you used to thinking like a lawyer uh, and researching like a lawyer and using all the right kind of sources. So we spend quite a long time with you in that unit, teaching you how to access resources, how to read legal cases and judgments uh, and statutes and all those kind of legal materials that you'll need to engage with. And also to start thinking about how law works in the wider social context in which it's located. And then once you've passed your, your first year and you have to pass your first year uh, to proceed into your second year uh, and you'll be assessed in your first year through a whole range of different um, methods, sometimes coursework uh, and exams in other subjects and a whole range of different um, ways that you can be assessed. You'll move on to your second year where you'll study up to five units and there will be a mixture here of compulsory units and optional units and again we have, we offer compulsory units because in order to gain what's known as a qualifying law degree you have to have studied certain foundational subjects which are important uh, the sort of basic subjects that you need to learn to, to be a lawyer uh, to get those foundational um, knowledge in place and so we we provide those mandatory units which would include land law property law and eu law european union law in the second year uh, and a range of optional units that you can choose as well and that includes research focus options with coursework assessment that'll help you to further develop your legal research skills and then in the final year once you've passed your second year um, you'll study two compulsory units again which are part of the foundational uh, program that you need for a qualifying law degree so that would involve the law of trusts which is another property law subject um, and then you will also have the option to study a, a longer research project which is either 5,000 words or a 10,000 word dissertation on a topic of your choice. Uh, and we, we, we have this unit um, choice in the final year because we think it's a really important opportunity for you to really shine and to be able to, to, to sort of, I guess, show off really all those wonderful skills that you've acquired throughout your study of law um, and to be able to apply them in a context that you really enjoy in a subject that you've found you really like um, as you've been studying all the other subjects at university so throughout your degree you'll be exposed to different topics of areas of law and then when it comes to your final year you'll have a little bit more choice as to which subjects you like which sort of particular areas of law you're interested in uh, and you can choose which ones you want to study and you can also study uh, study them in more depth by writing this dissertation under the supervision of one of the members of staff who has expertise in that area and we tend to find that this is something that students really enjoy in their final year you know we help to build the skills that you need to be able to, to, to develop the skills that you need for this dissertation in your final year and that's essentially how we structure our course here uh, at Bristol and um, if we move on to the next slide I think that tells you a little bit um, about why it might be important for for you to come and study here with us and, and to experience the law degree that we offer uh, as a three-year program. Um, as I said, we've been teaching law in Bristol for a long time. We have a lot of distinguished staff who are leading experts in, in their research fields, both globally uh, and nationally. Um, we have um, an excellent reputation uh, for graduate employability. Uh, we're sixth in the UK for graduate employability, uh, and that was in a recent World Employability Rankings. Uh, we're also uh, very proud of, of the fact that we are the fourth most targeted university by top UK employers, and this is a high flyers survey that's carried out in the UK, so that's why that's a UK based uh, survey. But I think it's really important for you to appreciate that, you know, we don't just want you to come and study with us and then we kind of chuck you out at the end and let you go out into the big wide world. We, we help to support you and provide you with career support um, and opportunities and skills throughout your degree. That means that when you leave us, you, you know, you're very employable. Uh, you leave with a good degree and you leave with lots of skills that employers are looking for, as some of those uh, data will show you. Um, in some of the more recent league tables in the UK, we are a top 10 law school in England and Wales um, and we have most alumni reaching partner status in Magic and Silver Circle law firms after the Oxbridge, Oxford and Cambridge universities, which are the two leading universities in the UK. And that's important uh, for our students to recognise that that big law firms, the big commercial corporate law firms uh, in London that have a global presence, um, you know, a lot of our students who are, are alumni who've 
studied with us who then go on to work um, you know they will achieve well in those firms and reach partner status um, and you know we're very proud of, of that that data uh, and we're also a top five UK university for research um, I know you just flipped ahead Doris but I just wanted to emphasize why that's important and it's because when we teach we teach you what we do as research. So I teach health law to my students and I also actively research health law and that's what I'm really interested in. And it means that I'm doing research, um, cutting edge research in that field that I can then hopefully um, mean that that comes through in my teaching and it enriches your experience because you're being taught by people like me who are really passionate about what we teach and who are also doing cutting edge research and obviously that we're leading experts as well in the areas that we teach and that's why it's important for you to look at universities as well that offer good research um, uh, credentials because it means that the, the teachers that you have will be actively researching, their knowledge will be um, up to date and engaged and, and relevant to what you're doing. Thank you, Doris. We can move along to, to the next slide if that's okay. Yeah, so in terms of, um, you know, the law school and how we teach, a lot of our teaching takes place um, in small groups. Um, so we tend to in, in law, and this is very similar to other law schools uh, in the UK and I think across the globe as well, we tend to teach with a combination of large group lectures where everybody in the year will come along um, and be taught um, a, bit, a bit of information about a particular legal topic um, and then you will take notes and listen to the lecturer and you'll go away and do a little bit of reading and preparation for a smaller group session um, and in Bristol we try and keep our groups about eight students on average typically sometimes it can be slightly more or slightly less depending on different subjects and demand for different groups um, but generally we're very proud of the fact that we like to keep those groups as small as we can because it means that you can develop your confidence you know it can be quite scary coming to university for the first time and having to talk about a subject that you haven't studied before and we want the tutors to to have a, a, a small nurturing environment that we can create where you feel that you can grow in confidence and work with other students in your in your year group and in your small group to, to work out what the solution might be to a particular legal problem to work out what the answer might be to the particular question that you're being asked um, and it means that you develop not just your legal knowledge but also those skills that are important about being confident being able to articulate communicate orally um, and work together in groups with other people as well as independently on your own as you prepare for, for your tutorials so so law is a subject that involves as you can see from that picture a lot of reading and um, a lot of talking about problems a lot of talking about the legal issues and trying to work out the solutions to them um, and we're very proud of the fact that in Bristol we try and combine the larger group tuition with those smaller group sessions so that you can have a real opportunity to discuss and debate in smaller groups thank you Doris, would you like to move on? Brilliant, great, thank you. Um, so just also a little bit about what else we offer. I mean, obviously we have academic staff who offer you subject support in relation to the different subjects that you'll be studying. Um, but we also offer a wide range of other support to our students um, in, in the law school. Um, from day one, you will be allocated a dedica dedicated personal tutor. And that, that person is usually an academic member of staff like me or any of my colleagues in the law school and we will be allocated a small group of students in each year group who uh, will be our personal students and we will be their personal tutor hopefully throughout their career uh, their degree sometimes staff leave um, and we have to replace them with other staff but on the whole if your um, your personal tutor sticks around with you for the whole time and, and is working at Bristol in that time then you will be able to meet with them um, and talk uh, about um, extra um, issues that might be um, interest to you such as career options career advice um, also if you've got any issues you know advice that you need on other other aspects of living in Bristol um, and you want some some help and guidance with that thinking about what choices you might want to make for optional subjects for example then we have a personal tutor that's allocated to every um, every student and you develop a relationship with them which sits outside uh, the subjects that you're taught um, and is separate to that relationship with your subject tutors and it means that you've got a friendly face on the staff that you can always go to to ask for help and support uh, particularly around career options but also you know around other issues that you might have and you might need some support for. 
uh, during your time with us. Uh, we also have a range of mentoring programs that we, uh, we run every year. Uh, we have peer-to-peer -peer mentoring where students in years two and three will help to support new students who come to join us in the first year. Um, and we're very proud that that's a very expansive program. Um, but we've also got um, uh, you know, a range of professional mentoring programs that we have where a lot of our alumni, our former students who are now working in various different sectors, both in the legal profession and in other career paths, uh, will, will come and give their time to mentor students. Um, and to help to develop their, their sort of knowledge of what career they might want to do and their skills and support them with that. And there's a lot more information on our website about some of those different mentoring programmes uh, that we offer, as well as the sort of peer-to-peer -peer mentoring that we offer in the school. As I've said, we have small class sizes, which helps you develop your presentation and teamwork skills. And we also have a number of units where we um, want to expose you to kind of how law works in the real world. It's not just about how law is in the books and in statutes and, and in judgments and legal cases. It's all about looking beyond that and seeing how law works in the real world. So we have a unit which is called clinical legal studies, uh, which is a, a, an option that you can take in your final year if you're interested in doing pro bono a sort of legal advice in our law clinic then you can take the clinical legal education unit and that will actually give you an opportunity to reflect on what it's like to be a lawyer giving advice to clients and some of the sort of skills that you might need for that so you know we're really proud of the sort of range of options that we offer which offer you some of these um, opportunities to experience how law works in the real world and you're obviously taught by leading experts as i've said who who often bridge academia, academic work with some of the research that they do in the real world, that sort of practice and policy making, which is really important, I think, for you as students when you come to Bristol to know that we're not just going to ask you to read lots of books and think about what the law is, is written down. We're going to actually want you to think about how the law works in the global world that it, it's working in, because obviously we have a number of units that span across uh, international uh, boundaries as well. And, and I think that's important for you to be aware of when you come and study with us, that that's, that's important to, to our teaching and the ethos that we have in the law school. Do you want to move along, uh, Doris? Yeah, so employability support is available. Um, would you like to just pop up all the different, um, that's it, lovely, thank you, Doris. Um, we, we're in the law school, we, as I've already said, really don't want you to think that we're coming along, we're just going to teach you a legal subject. We want to, um, you know, use to help you to develop both personally and professionally during your time at Bristol. Um, and we do that by trying to make sure that we give you lots of opportunities to dip your toe into lots of different career paths that might be of interest to you, but particularly law, if that's one that you're interested in. Um, and we have a dedicated employability advisor, so a careers advisor who works in the law school uh, and who who can meet with you individually to talk to you about your career aspirations, help to work on your curriculum vitae if you want to make any applications and help to guide you through that process of applying for, um, for jobs and, and thinking about where you might want to end up uh, when you leave university. Um, the, the, we also have in conjunction with the Career Surface a range of, of workshops that we run around different skills and different careers that might be of interest to students. And we've also got a lot of student societies. We have award winnings to student societies um, at Bristol. Um, again, there's a lot of information on our website about our student societies, but they span a whole range of different subjects. And I think that's really important for us because uh, you know we off, we're a big law school. Uh, we have uh, lots of staff and we have lots of students who have lots of diverse interests and we have lots of different areas of law that people are interested in so our student societies actually cover a lot of those different areas so I know in my area there's a medical law society there's also an employment law society for those who are interested in that uh, there's a diversity and equality student society a women in law society so it covers lots of different areas that you might be interested in that you can get involved with during your time here would you like to move the, the oh there we go brilliant um, and um, the, the other sort of aspect is I guess we're very proud of the fact that a lot of our former students our distinguished alumni uh, come back and, and come to visit us they like to keep in contact with us because they're proud of the time that they've spent with us and they want to come and talk to us about the, the work that they're doing so we have a, a distinguished alumni lecture series and that's usually followed by a reception where you can meet and speak to some of our alumni and talk to them about their work and and, and start networking to be able to make those connections and um, we also have a range of law fairs and employer events and of course there's the university career service that's that's 
also there for all our students and providing support up to three years after you graduate, as well as regular bulletins with lots of different information for our students about all the opportunities that are coming up for them. So it's a very comprehensive, really, uh, support system. Um, yeah, this is a slide that shows you um, some of our students um, at, after one of our graduation events. Um, I think these were some of the students who won some awards. Um, and I think it shows you a high, you know, the sort of diversity um, and inclusive nature of our student body. We have over 40 countries represented actually in our student body. So we're an inclusive and an international law school. Um, and this is some of the comments really that some of the students have fed back to us based on their experience with us when we asked them to submit questionnaires based on the teaching. Um, you know, these are the sort of uh, sort of positive comments that come through, I think, which reflect, I guess, the law school. So they, they feel that there's high quality staff who are passionate about their subjects, which I, you know, hopefully I've already mentioned. I think we're, I know Doris has talked to you about the university and where it is, but the, the law school is based in, in, in the Wills Memorial Building, which is an iconic building, historical building in, in Bristol. And we're very proud to be, be based there and have an amazing library, which is a very inspiring place to study. Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for you, uh, some great career support, and obviously, you know, important that the course content is stimulating and, and it makes that you means that you're going to be creative uh, and, and force you to think around the box. Um, and I think what's also important is that, you know, personal tutors have been wonderfully supportive. And, I, and that re means a lot, I think, for students who are a long way from home to know that there are staff there who are able to support you in lots of different ways. I think, um, yeah, there's a few slides left and I think this is the point where Mala was going to come in because Mala is actually the former director of the law clinic. Um, so I'll just say a couple of words about a couple of these slides because I don't know as much about the sort of student sort of side of the law clinic. But I, I think I've mentioned to you that one of the opportunities that you can take part in is, is to take part in giving pro bono advice in our law clinic. Um, a lot of law schools have law clinics, but we're very proud of ours. It's got its own dedicated um, uh, building, um, uh, part of the law, the, law, the law school is based in Mills, the Wills building but also in another building which is nearby and the clinic has a dedicated office there and the clinic basically provides uh, free pro bono advice to members of the local community uh, who might need some help with some legal problems and need to get some access to justice so the students our students can apply to join the law clinic and they're supported and mentored by a number of the law clinic staff there um, and and it's won loads of awards our clinic and I know that a lot of our students really do value that kind of real world opportunity to see how law works in the real world and dip their toes into what it might be like to to be to be a you know a barrister or a solicitor advising uh, advising people on the law um, so there's a that's a great opportunity that we have with a dedicated space and we're very proud of the clinic and the other thing we have is a lot of student societies um, again um, I, I'm not a part of the student societies, um, but I do know that we have a lot of them and I, I've you know, had a lot of contact with the students who are in the, in the societies. Um, one of the most popular is our law club, which is the Student Law Society that was founded in 1937, um, I think, as long ago as that. Um, and it's basically a, a way to network and, and have links with local professions, uh, solicitors profession in particular. They run a lot of events. They run um, a mooting competition and a debating competition every year um, and there's an opportunity I think for a social side as well around this, the, the, the club where you can join in lots of different competitions and sports um, so you know it's a big club but there's lots of opportunities lots of events going on and again a lot more information on our website ab about what what the sort of events that the law club are involved with but it's won, won awards again for the sort of work it does the activities it puts on um, and, and there's a range of events that it runs with local professionals with London uh, law firms um, and lots of different competitions as well for you to get involved with. And yeah, and th I think that's the kind of slide that says there's mooting, uh, debating and, and negotiation. And th these are sort of important skills that lawyers um, need to develop. And these are important events that you can, activities that you can get involved with in the law school, where you can practice some advocacy skills, you can practice uh, debating and mooting um, and negotiation skills, where you have a team who tries to negotiate a deal um, uh, like, like, like lawyers would do in, in the real world. Uh, and again, that's something that the law club is actively uh, involved in putting all these different sorts of events. And I think, is that the last slide? Yeah, um, these are some students who've run some re recent awards, I think, for uh, getting involved at the bar there on the left. 
And there's Mala, that's the lovely smiley Mala there in the, in the, in the, the picture on the right, who was going to join us today, but unfortunately couldn't. And she's the outgoing director of the, the Law Clinic. And, you know, I know that they've won a, a lot of awards for the amazing work that they do with members of the local community. Um, and yeah, they just get, get, get really stuck in and um, it's been a fantastic opportunity for a lot of them to get involved with. And I think, I think that's it, isn't it, Doris? Yeah, brilliant. Just as a testament to some of our students. Yeah. I think there's some questions now, Judy. Would yeah. So, so yeah, no, I'm to... very happy to take questions. I think there was a couple of testimonials there from some of our alumni. Um, right. Oh, yeah, the one, the one thing you did want to mention was the scholarships, I guess. Is that, Doris, at the end? Did you want to yes, talk about that? Yes, Yeah. So we, we do have a fantastic scholarship uh, scheme, actually. Um, it's quite unusual for a UK university to give a lot of money at undergraduate level, but we are doing that. So each year we're looking at about half a million pounds um, to give to international students. So that's only undergraduate and only international students. Um, we also have specific um, law-based ones. So there are, um, they're called global justice scholarships. So uh, law students get kind of like, um, you know, another, another choice as well. They can apply for yeah. the whole scheme and, and that one as well. So that's quite a generous scheme. So uh, yeah, I and I think that is pretty much it. In terms Brilliant. of the last one, but right. questions for Judy. Yeah, no, okay. fire away. So, I will um, <laughs> put my, my, my screen on so I can see. Right. There we go. Hi, so, there. so there are questions around law, questions around medicine, and also there's a question around film and TV studies. Okay. Uh, she's been waiting really uh, patiently about, uh, and I'm, I'm just going to, you know, quickly uh, ask you, are there, she wants to know more about master's programs in film and TV studies and also whether distance and blended learning is offered. Can I just very quickly take that? So yes, uh, distance learning um, is not something before COVID that we've done a lot of, but of course with COVID now we're all um, getting very professional at this and preparing for, for these options. And for the coming years, for the starters this year, there's definitely blended uh, learning available um, and even online learning entirely if, if you can't travel, for example, if that was the situation that we were looking at. Um, so that's a yes, but of course always look at what's happening you know closer to the starting date of the course but uh, the opportunities are there master's courses um we have fantastic master's courses usually one year look online or leave your details for me that i can get back to you because there's so many to talk about film we have film and tv film and english film and other languages um yes we do have those we have those at undergraduate level for example um, so, and, and if you're interested this year, undergraduate, they're, they're actually in clearing, so you can just, uh, you know, still try your luck, go to the website, find the clearing vacancies there. Sorry, what was the other question? I, I'm, I'm more mindful. Uh, so it's just basically about distance and blended learning. That's it. I mean, the, the, I'm more yes. mindful that we use, you know, Judy's expertise for the law questions. That would be right. great. So um, one of the questions is, if you're a history undergraduate, is that a pathway to law? Yeah, I mean, you, ca you don't have to, well, in the UK, um, you don't actually have to study law to become a lawyer. Um, and in fact, my own husband studied geology and he's now a lawyer that works in the renewable energy sector. So he's kind of combined both of his interests in that area. So yes, you could, you could study history and then you would have to take some extra qualifications when you leave uh, university before you can then take the vocational qualification to become, become a solicitor. Um, but yeah, so the, the options are still there if you want to be a, a solicitor um, and, and even a barrister. Although the one thing I will say about, about studying for a law degree, I mean, some people are often a bit anxious about taking law because it's a new subject. They've never studied it before. They have no idea what it's about. Um, and then they sometimes think, well, I'll study history because at least I know that what history is about and I know I like it. Um, and, and that's great. But, but actually doing a law degree will actually help you to work out whether actually law is something you really want to do and, and give you more of an in-depth knowledge. Um, that you can spend three years studying the subject and working out if it really is the subject that you like. And in particular, is it the sort of what area of law do I like? Um, because if you study a history degree and then you do the professional qualifications when you leave, you don't get that exposure to the range of areas of law. And actually, sure. I, 
and, and also you might not have as many opportunities to do the sort of careers and networking events that you might want to do as a law student to, to sort of sound out whether or not the, the career is for you as well. Um, although all our societies are open to non-law graduates, uh, non-law students, so a history student mm -hmm. can come and join the law societies, but you know they they might feel that they 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 feel a bit you know sort of um that they feel happier getting involved if they were immersed in the law school right right um uh the other question was around um uh, you've mentioned that it has a law clinic yes uh, and, and quite yes. a robust one at that yes. uh, is that where the pro bono legal work is also where the students can carry out pro bono legal work Yes, that's the pro bono work. It's our law clinic and it's providing free advice to members of the local community. Right. It's a right. big law clinic. You know, we have um, three members of staff who supervise um, and work with the students. It's got its own dedicated, um, you know, new office suite um, that we're very, very um, pleased with um, to have. And, and there's also, though, a human rights clinic that we offer. Uh, which for people who are perhaps interested in in a bit more human rights uh, related work experience uh, our human rights implementation center has a human rights clinic open to students studying those subjects and that would be a different type of advice that would be advising uh, sort of non-governmental organizations and civil society mm -hmm. um, on human rights issues from across the world actually from different parts of Africa uh, we have lots of expertise there so so again you know there's different ways that you can actually um, sort of get get involved with that sort of pro bono work right and post COVID you think uh, the job opportunities would still be uh, relevant for international students so in what sense um, do you mean uh, uh, I think they worried whether there would be sort of, you know, the kind of visas they would get would uh, would, uh, you know, international students be hired by law firms, those sort of questions. I mean, I think in terms of the, the visa situation, you know, I think that's very positive, isn't it, Doris, in that there is now yes. sort of two year period at the end. Um, uh -huh. and Sorry, did you want to add anything in there, Doris? Well, one no. of the things, that, another question I often get is with Brexit, you know, people are concerned, what, what is Brexit good for us or negative for us? Um, I would say for an international student, it's an opportunity because a lot of the Europeans um, who, you know, now find themselves um, in a country that doesn't particularly, you know, give them any advantages, they might leave. So there would be more opportunities, uh, certainly not less, I can't see that. And post-COVID, you know, nobody can really guess what there is, but the main That's thing is true. that if you're qualified, um, you know, often you find that those job, I mean, people will always need lawyers, for example, or doctors or engineers. And they always Absolutely. need people with qualifications. So, so yeah. the more you do for yourself, I think the better your position is. The, uh, it's never been as easy as now, as it's being made now to stay on and work for right. uh, Indian students or any international students. So the opportunities, is, it's, it's a crucial year, I think. Yeah, and I, I could just say, I mean, obviously none of us know quite what's gonna happen with COVID and you know, there are concerns about the economy. Mm -hmm. Um, but lawyers are always, you know, in demand if that's what you want to do. Um, and, you know, I think we, we will do what we can to support you. Um, sorry, that's my phone ringing. <laughs> I do apologise. This is the, the delights of working from home, isn't it? Um, when the landline carries on ringing. I'm hoping somebody else will answer it because I don't want to have to do that now. Um, at least my dog hasn't started barking as well. So we're okay. Um, you know, I think, I think that, you know, the legal profession will always be needed, particularly in times challenging times um, you know and there'll be a lot of legal challenges post covid and post brexit i think in this country that will need lawyers to to get involved with that and um, you know particularly for me from a human rights point of view i think covid has raised a lot of challenges there and, and i think Absolutely. there'll be a lot of work for lawyers for, for quite some time picking up the pieces of that so so I, you know i don't think you know that we, we can predict really what's going to happen in two or three years time but certainly yeah. as Doris said at least if you come and you have a degree then you've got a qualification and then you you know you can build on the other skills that you need to help you with that career development right uh, and there's a question around the LNAT essay uh, yes. for admissions uh, yes. does Bristol factor in the LNAT essay yes and we is do. there an interview in the uh, Bristol law admissions process 
no, no interviews for, for the majority of students, mature students we might interview, but that means anybody over 21 who's coming to us. Um, mm -hmm. And yes, we do. We're one of the group of universities that, that requires the LNAT, which is the National Assessment right. Test Law. Um, there are more details available on the LNAT website for that. Um, and I know that they are making allowances for COVID uh, in local test centres around you know, the world, depending on local conditions at the time. Um, right. So it's important to have a look at what, what the information is there. And you know, there's two elements. We look at the essay and we look at the, the multiple choice uh, aspects. And there's lots of examples on the LNAT website as to what the test involves. Sure. Um, there are a couple of, I think the law questions are pretty much, uh, there is one last question about, uh, one of them needs help in choosing the program for a postgraduate in law. Okay. Um, yeah. So maybe they can reach out to you. Um, yes, by all means. I mean, we offer a wide range of different programs for postgraduates. Right. So I can, right. I can understand if they're not sure what they might want to do. But yeah, I'm sure. very happy if anybody wants to get in touch with me afterwards and follow up with an email, I'll, I'll happily reply. Sure, that sounds great. Um, Doris, there are a couple of questions around the medicine part of it, uh, which is, I think you've covered that though, what tests are needed for medicine in the UK is BMAT and uh, UCAT. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. you've, you've addressed that. Yeah. Um, there was a question around scholarships and availability for the cost of studying medicine. Uh, is there? I've read that's rather less good news that there really aren't any. And you're right, the cost of studying medicine, uh, dentistry or veterinary science um, is much higher than any other courses because of clearly, you know, the, the, the whole infrastructure required. Um, so, so um, yeah, you, you find higher fees for longer plus no scholarships. Um, so yeah. I'm afraid that certainly not from the institution. I'm not sure whether, you know, externally you could try um, for some, some countries actually actively sponsor um, students into medicine. Uh, so some countries like Mauritius, for example, they always pick the top scholars and then they pay mm -hmm. for them to do medicine. But that's not every country can do that. Um, so uh, I, I think it's a, it's pretty much a long haul financially um, and, and no scholarships from the institution for that, I'm afraid. Right. Um, there's one more question about, is it possible to progress to these programs after attending the foundation program for science? Um, if you are intending to do this, you should actually look on our website because we have a bespoke foundation year ourselves, which leads to medicine or dentistry or veterinary science. So go on our website, look at the um, School for Health and, and just put in International Foundation Health or Science or Medicine and you'll get onto that. Now that one is owned by us and, and, and you know it, it is meant to get you to that point. What it can't do, it cannot give you um, a guarantee that you get a place. Remember the places I mentioned before are capped. There are very, very few places for dentistry. I believe it's four places for international students each year in this university. So it's, it's tight and competition is really high. But what they do guarantee you on that uh, course, uh, once you've done that foundation course with us, but it has to be ours, um, that you will be um, put forward for the MMIs, for the, uh, the, the multiple minute interviews, okay? So, the, and remember I, what I said before, once you're on the interview, the chances of you actually getting an offer are very high. They're very high. Uh, so that is the advantage you're getting. Nobody can give you a guarantee um, um, because it is so competitive. Now, if you came from any other foundation course outside, you know, like Kaplan or any of those commercial ones, I would say it's, it's still possible, but you'd have to be a, you know, a top student and bear in mind that often those courses have like uh, science streams and they may not offer enough chemistry. Remember chemistry was the one denominator there. Right. Um, so, you know, you need to choose carefully, which is why I would recommend if you haven't decided yet, then look at our own foundation course, because it's meant sure. to be leading to that. Excellent. I think it's been very informative and we've really run out of time. Um, we've, we've exceeded it by 10 minutes, but I think it's a wealth of information that you've both shared with us. Uh, thank you so much for making the time.
Uh, Judy, thank you for making the time to join us. I know you run a very, very busy schedule. Um, thank you, Doris, for being so supportive. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I'm sorry about the random phone call there. You know, not um, at all. Uh, not at all. We're all working from home. So yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you thank for joining you. me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.